You're listening to Sage Spirituality, reaching back, leaning in, and seeking out a deeper experience with God, with your host, Joel Marvin. Good evening to everyone joining me tonight for this special Facebook Live in English. such an amazing time to be with everyone. I want to thank you for taking your time. Some of you are staying up a little bit past your bedtime. I appreciate that so very much. And uh, I encourage you to uh, uh, click the share button, be able to share this with your friends and some people that uh, maybe need to hear this. You know what? This is our eighth uh, special Facebook Live uh, slash uh, what we're calling the Corona uh, Quarantine Cast. Um, I can't believe that means uh, we have officially been in quarantine now going on nine weeks. Um, I can't believe that. And I'm sorry if you see bugs flying around, but we live in the Amazon jungle and you're going to... Uh, uh, you might see those things floating around tonight because uh, God knows uh, one of our, probably one of our lovely kids left the door open sometime today and allowed all the bugs to fly into the house. But uh, anyway, uh, that's the, really, that's not a big issue, uh, our bugs. Uh, <laughs> I would just, uh, I, you know, I would tell you right now, we're really uh, still trying to figure out what's happening. I believe for at least another 10 days we're gonna be um, we're gonna be uh, in quarantine here in Sakua and uh, Ecuador is talking about maybe trying to open back up somewhat uh, some crazy stuff right now the stores around our town we're only they're only allowing one person at a time to go in uh, by the grace of God you know, we still haven't had, uh, we've not had like a major outbreak in this area of the country, but there are other areas of the country that are absolutely being pounded, and the numbers are just off the scale. We can't, uh, you can't even really wrap your head around it. If you would understand that Ecuador is the size of the state of Utah, and it's just challenging, challenging times for all of us. But I want to tell you this, guys, I am so encouraged because God has been using these Facebook lives literally to reach thousands and thousands of people and the only way we can do it is through your help uh, because you press share and you help spread the word and uh, so many people have reached out to us about some of the messages going all the way back to the prophecy that I shared and I believe it wholeheartedly. I believe wholeheartedly that God is doing something we can't even hope or imagine right now. And uh, I just want to, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight. And uh, something that I've seen is uh, the reality of what C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity is becoming so real to us right now in our world that we live in. And uh, he wrote this in the book Mere Christianity. He said, and out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery, the long terrible story of man trying to find something other than God with which which will make him happy. 
And I feel like right now that's what we're doing is we're living in a time. I know that I know the entire world is suffering. I know the economies are suffering. I know that, that everyone and their brother is trying to point a finger at someone else and say, look, you know, uh, there's, you know, that it's because of the Chinese or it's because of the Democrats or it's because of the Republicans or it's because this one or because of that one. And realistically, friends, what we have to realize is uh, regardless of where it started, the reality is that we're in this boat right now. We're in what I would call the coronavirus boat. And this boat may take the next four or five years to play out. We don't know, and no one knows the end game except for God. But what I do know is I know that God has revealed throughout these past months of quarantine, of of worldwide panic, God has revealed a reality. Uh, what I've seen happening is there's actually two types of Christians that are coming to the forefront, I'm not going to call you separating the sheep and the goats. That's a little bit too far. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I'm not God, and I'm not going to try to uh, put that peg on it. But one thing I would tell you is, during this time, I can see that there's a there's been this separation of of uh, of two types of of Christians. There are those who would say that God is truly God in your life. He's truly God. He's sovereign. He's in control. And I trust him. And there's a second group of believers that would say um, God is a servant and he's your personal servant for your personal plans, your personal visions, and your personal agendas. Now, which group do you fall into? Which group do you fall into? You know, when I look at, uh, when I look at the panorama, uh, unfortunately, I think I see way more Christians in the second grouping. And uh, this past week, I was reminded about a book written by a missionary wife named Elizabeth Elliot. And Elizabeth Elliot, just to give you a little bit of a background, she was a phenomenal woman of God. She, her husband, and uh, she and her husband moved to Ecuador as young missionaries back in the 50s. And they uh, they started working up in the highlands and were doing a phenomenal work. And during that time, uh, the Lord put an incredible passion in their heart to reach out to an unreached people group. And her husband, Jim, Jim Elliott, uh, ended up taking a trip uh, with several other missionaries. And those men, there were five of them in total, they eventually were martyred on Palm Beach, actually about 50 miles from where I'm doing this podcast right now. Those guys were martyred, and uh, they laid down their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can you imagine that they left their wives and their family, their small kids, their their wives? They, you know, that happened. That took place. That was the boat that they found themselves in. They never intended to pack up their things and move to Ecuador and to lose their husbands. And Elizabeth Elliot wrote many, many incredible books. Passion and Purity is a phenomenal book for those who are single or are looking for their spouse that they're going to get married to. It is a phenomenal book that will absolutely guide your path. For me, it was an incredible inspiration. You know, The Shadow of the Almighty is the testimony of Jim Elliott. And, uh, you know, and she wrote dozens of books, but she only wrote one novel during the entire time she wrote. And she wrote this novel called 
uh, No Graven Image. Very kind of an obscure book. It's not really famous, but it's kind of telling her story. It's kind of, you know, letting out all the, the interior grief of God not necessarily playing the cards that we wanted in the hand that we're being dealt. And when I look at uh, when I look at Elizabeth Elliot's story in No Graven Image, this week I was reminded by one interaction and it absolutely applies to us like never before. It's kind of reflective where God had caused death and suffering in a way that she had not expected. And when she looked and she started praying through the situation, she came to this conclusion. I'm going to read it right now because I can't really uh, I can't really do much better than just reading her words. She said, God, if he was merely my accomplice, had betrayed me. God, if he was merely my accomplice, had betrayed me. If, on the other hand, he was God, he had freed me. I find that I can no longer arrange my life in an orderly succession of projects with goals and demonstrable effects. I cannot designate this activity as useful, and that one is useless, for often the categories are reversed, and even more often I am at a loss to apply either label. The work in the end, as well as the labeling, is God's. Now, I want you to listen to that first sentence really quick. That first sentence is a, is a game changer. It's a wrecking ball if we'll listen to it. If God is merely my accomplice, then he had failed me. But if God is God, then he had freed me. And when we're facing challenging times like we're facing right now, we're in one of two groups. Either God is our accomplice and we're using him to achieve what we want to do and we're using him to tell him what our agenda is and what our plan is and what we're hoping to accomplish through his goodwill and his uh, all power and all the things that he brings to the table or we realize that he's God and realistically he sees things that we just can't see. I love that last part where it says the work in the end, as well as the labeling, is God. She went down a few lines further, and she said this, Who but God knew which were the victories and which were the defeats? You know, when we look at the cross, when we look at history, and the people who lived through the plague, that was a defeat. They, they had to say, you know what, there was nothing positive coming out of that, but realistically, there was something extremely positive that came out of it. You know what, when we look at some of the most unbelievable times of suffering and pain around the world, men on the outside will look and say, you know what, God has failed us, this is a horrible time. But those who choose to truly look at history will find out that God's fingerprints are all over some of the most challenging, difficult times we could ever hope and imagine. And you know, the reason that I would tell you tonight that this is so important is because God and God only will determine whether this was a defeat or whether it was a victory. 
Only God has that power. Only God has that authority. Only God has that knowledge. And it may not ever happen in our lifetime. It may be something, and I love this quote, uh, Dostoevsky wrote in the book Crime and Punishment, probably one of my favorite novels of all time. If you have never read Dostoevsky, do yourself a great, great favor Look him up and read his books. He's a phenomenal guy that gives you insight into the spiritual life. But his book, Crime and Punishment, he makes a short observation. He says, the darker the night, the brighter the stars. The deeper the grief, the closer is God. You know, there are people all around the world that have lived through unbelievably challenging times. Unbelievably inconvenient times. But it's during those challenging and inconvenient times where we are actually able to submit ourselves more fully to God. All the window dressings and a lot of times all of the insulation in our life has been ripped out and it's just us standing before God and we can actually engage God on a level like never before. And I want to give you a challenge tonight. During the past week, uh, and, and I read this year, I'm reading through the four Gospels every month. My goal is to read through the Gospels uh, 12 times in this year, and it's, it's just wonderful. You know what? I love what I'm doing. It's just hanging out with Jesus in the Gospels, and you can't miss out there. In this past week, I was reading the book of Matthew extremely encouraged by what I was reading but you know it was the most difficult time in Jesus's ministry Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed Jesus knew he was going to suffer and for those of you who don't know Jesus was all God and he was all man and there was nothing uh, that he was never he didn't change t-shirts like we change our shirts or our jerseys or maybe our affiliation to a team it wasn't like he said oh today i'm god and oh tomorrow i'm man no he was fully god and he was fully man and it's very difficult for us to wrap our heads around how that took place but that's not important in the reality of what i'm going to talk to you about right now because i want to challenge each one of you who truly see god as being god and not just your accomplice I want to challenge you to do something for the next week. I want you to pray a prayer that Jesus prayed. If you're brave enough, you'll pray that prayer. And the night that Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed, he knew all of his disciples were going to leave him. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was going to die. He knew that his death was going to be painful. He knew he was going to be ridiculed and made fun of. He knew all of those things. And I want you to see the way Jesus confronted his human fears. The way Jesus wrestled with the challenges that were going on inside of his heart. The questions, the, the uncertainty, the anxiety. I want you to look at the way he confronted it. And I want you to follow it as an example. In Matthew chapter 26, the Bible says that Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. 
Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I want to challenge you. If God is truly your God and you trust God and you trust what God is doing, that you learn to pray this prayer, and I would call it the nevertheless prayer. See, Jesus did not deny that he was in a very difficult situation. And we should never come to a place in our life where we feel like we need to we need to lie to God or we need to put on a facade before God because the Bible tells us we stand naked before God. God knows what we are feeling inside of us. God sees everything. He knows all of our reality. And there, and every day when we come to God in prayer in our most challenging times, we pour out our heart to God. We cry out to God and we tell Him all of the pain and all of the things we're suffering and all of the ways we hope that this cup passes on from us, but we have trust to look at God and say, nevertheless, not what I want, God, but what you want. See, when we say nevertheless, we're admitting that we're not God, that our view of what's going on is limited that our understanding of what's happening in the present, we have no way to understand what's going to be taking place 10 minutes from now or 10 days from now, and much worse, 10 years from now. And when we pray that prayer and we stop in the middle of our chaos, in the middle of the craziness, in the middle of our suffering, and we trust God enough to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What we're saying is, we're saying, God, I'm trusting you to make this situation into a victory. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't understand everything that's going to take place, but I trust you, Lord, and I trust you enough to rely on your wisdom, to rely on your plan, now, when we look at this, I'm reminded of a phenomenal, I have my little hymn book here, sorry. Um, I use a hymn book in my devotional time, and if you don't, then you probably should. Get yourself a good old song book and uh, let God use those some of those great songs from church history to touch your heart. This is a phenomenal little song. I'm not going to sing it because I am not a singer, and this would shut this whole thing down if I started singing. You would all go off like that. Or I would become a YouTube sensation for the wrong reason. But uh, this old song by James Montgomery, written in the 1800s, he said, go to dark Gethsemane. He said, go to dark Gethsemane, all who feel the tempter's power. Your Redeemer's conflict see, watch him one bitter hour. Turn not from his griefs away, 
Learn from Jesus Christ to pray. That's what I'm talking about. Let Jesus teach you how to pray. Nevertheless, follow to the judgment hall. View the Lord of life arraigned. Oh, the wormwood and the gall. Oh, the pangs his soul sustained. Shun not suffering, shame or loss. Learn from Christ to bear the cross. Calvary's mournful mountain climb. There's adoring at his feet. Mark the miracle of time, God's own sacrifice complete. It is finished, let him cry. Learn from Jesus Christ to die. Early hasten to the tomb where they laid his breathless clay. All is solitude and gloom. Who has taken him away? Christ is risen. He meets our eyes. Savior, teach us so to rise. <laughs> Friends, I'm going to tell you something right now. Only God could take the tomb that they laid Jesus in and turn it into a victory. Only God could take the persecution of the early Christians when they were being killed and the, slaughtered by the millions and the hundreds of thousands in the first centuries. Only God could take that and turn it into a victory. Only God could take the, 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 the barbarians overrunning the Christian Roman Empire and turn it into a victory. Only God could take what's happening in our current world right now and turn it into a victory. And if you trust God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and strength, if He's more than just an accomplice in your life, then we've got to trust Him We've got to come to Him and we've got to pray. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. Maybe your prayer tonight is, God, you know, I lost my job. Things are very challenging. I'm not sure what we're going to do. This is unbelievably unstable. We're anxious. We're worried. Pour out your heart to God. But then stick in that rather long compound word and just say, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're going through worry and anxiety because of the sickness and you're not, you're not sure how it's going to play out, maybe you're very susceptible and you think, you, think, uh, you know what, you're, you're, you're going to be the next one to die. <laughs> I'll tell you this, friend. The best prayer you can pray is nevertheless. Not my will, but thy will be done. Now, I love what Albert Hubbard said. He was an old author. Wasn't necessarily a, a Christian author. He was a little bit of a, of, a, of a radical in his time. But he wrote an amazing little observation. He said, God will not look you over for medals, degrees, our diplomas, but for scars. <laughs> you know, friends, we're going to get scars in this life. There are things we're going to have to suffer. And those are what God's going to be looking at, are the scars that we bring out of this life. And we got to realize that those scars, many, many times, will be symbolic of great victories in our life. Now I want to leave you with this. Corey Tim Boom.
said probably one of the greatest quotes that we can use in the 21st century. Corey Tim Boom, who was arrested, betrayed and arrested from her home, taken to a concentration camp where uh, the majority of her family died, her father, her sister, and only because of a sovereign act of God was she able to escape death in that camp. And at the end of all that, Corey Tim Boom had this to say, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love it. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to pray, nevertheless. Our God's faithful. You know what, tonight we have a very, very special person listening to me. Um, dear part of our family, Maureen Parker, we're praying for you. And even when we don't understand when God takes a loved one away from us, we're able to stand and pour out our heart and all the angst and all the pain and all the suffering that we have in our heart. And we're able to stand with all of our trust and say, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. I do want to ask you to press the share button. And uh, I want to challenge you that every day you will take the opportunity to pause and pour your heart out to God in prayer. Just complain to Him. Just get ugly with Him. Tell Him everything that He already knows. Your bad attitude, the way you don't approve, the way you don't like it, the way you have your plans. And then just throw that great big compound word, nevertheless, into your prayer and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Friends, only God will determine the victories and the defeats. God bless you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in.